Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's great to be back. You know we love Q&A, and, uh, but today we're going to look at some tweets that ha- we, we, you and I are constantly sending each other screenshots of, of tweets and headlines and things that we like, yeah. and there's a couple that have come up that we've you know, sparked conversation, and I've said, don't talk about it. Let's talk about it on the podcast. On the podcast. Uh, so, before, so before you get to that, we're going to do the tweets that we want to talk about, uh, but after that, we are because we had a podcast about date like it's the '80s, and so okay. someone said, "Well, date like the '80s. What was your favorite music from mm-hmm. the '80s?" So Rachel and I have each picked our five top songs from the '80s. Rachel has five, I have five, and we'll tell you what those are. Playing a little yeah. snippet at uh, after we go through a couple of uh, tweets that have come out. And, we'll see um, whose playlist our viewers like best. Yeah. We'll have to put an online poll for that. that I think really it's, it's probably going to be very masculine and very feminine. We'll see. We'll see. Let's have. see. Let's see what happens on right. that. Okay. Right. So that's going to be a fun. We're actually going to play a little bit of each song, kind of get take everyone down memory lane from the 80s. Right. Um, maybe on another podcast we'll do the 90s, so that's another a good era for music. But the 80s, really, really special. Okay. So Matt Walsh um, had this tweet this week. He said, this is him talking to um, to teachers and schools saying, you have the kids for six to seven hours a day. If they still have work to do at the end of the day, that's the school's fault. Be more efficient. Use your time better. When kids are out of school, it should be family time. Sean, I'm holding back because you know I have a lot of opinions on this, but you go first. What's your thoughts? This is one of my pet peeves. I'm like, we sent them to school all day. How can they come home with hours of work? And by the way, so if, if you have a high schooler, the high schooler can oftentimes do the work by themselves. They can go to their room or sit at the kitchen table and do their homework. But if you have a second grader and a fourth grader, you do the homework with them. So when you come home to have family time, instead of like talking about your day and doing dinner and sitting down to dinner yeah. and then doing a pre- these kids don't get any downtime and you don't get downtime because you have to sit down and do second grade math or then, you know, second grade stupid spelling work or uh, reading worksheets. Get it done. But get it done in school. I agree with that. Stop sending me. If you got like 15 minutes for a second grader. OK, but if you have 45 minutes of work to do with a second grader, 
I agree with Matt, Matt Walsh. You are not doing your job. There's way too much homework out there and parents can't handle it. And, and it's a disservice to the family unit themselves. How many people work eight hours a day and then come home and have to work another three hours on top of it doing homework for their, for their job? It just, it doesn't happen that way. These kids are exhausted. Yeah, I think the kids are tired. I think they want to break um, from 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 homework when they come home. Also, you know, it gets multiplied. So if you have like a lot of kids, like we do, um, I remember when when I yes. had you know four little ones that all needed help, and it was so hard to manage it. And this, of course, this is like especially when you were in Congress and you weren't home um, as much, you know, after school during the week, and so that was really really stressful for me, especially and and really hard. And I do think the kids kind of suffered a little bit from it because. I couldn't, I couldn't give them as much attention to each one as they each wanted from school. You didn't I, have the time. You don't, you just literally run out of time. But also, you lose something. I think that, you know, they're gone for eight hours. They're all, you ha- as he said, you, you have them for that long. Now they're mine. And I want them, I want to enjoy them. I want to have time with them. I also want them to be able to help me clean up after dinner, which they do even though they have homework. But I can tell that they're stressing about helping me out, you know, after dinner, trying to, you know, clean up the kitchen and clean up after dinner, and then they got to go do their work. Um, it's just a lot on families. And I think that I, I totally agree. I love, like, our kids go to a great school. I when I love seeing what they're doing, by the way, at, when they come home from school. I mean, I can't tell you, I, every time I see a worksheet, uh, you know, a, you know, here's what they're covering for the week. Um, I sent one to to Pete Hegseth the other day just to co- we sometimes will compare what his kids are learning, what my kids are learning. Um, we're always so amazed and we feel robbed. Uh, Sean, you talk about that a lot, too. We feel robbed of what we got as kids yeah. when your kids go to a classical school. So I love that they're getting all this stuff. But I wish that we would get less of it coming home so that um, so that we could have more more time together as a family and it could be more relaxed for those few hours before bedtime. It gets hectic, and I, I wish I wish the schools would appreciate that. And, and I that. do think that it's important for schools to be more efficient. Use the time well. Yes. Um, and make sure they are getting instruction. If they need some time to work on their own, whether they're study halls or, or work time, figure it out. But again, yeah, that's right, six, seven hours a day uh, they have our kids. Why are we coming home and doing another couple hours of homework with kids? Uh, that's but even not... with the even with the high schoolers, Sean, like I get like they have to do a lot of at our school they have to do a lot of reading, but it's like I don't want them in another room reading. I want to enjoy them when when they come home as well. So you know yeah. maybe an hour of reading. I mean I, I just think I get that. I love that the school is rigorous. I love the stuff that they are reading, and I know that it's it's challenging what their their curriculum is, and I'm happy about that. But I do think there needs to be a balance between family because also, Sean, there's so much they learn from being, you know, interacting, being part of the family and having to do chores with the family, even after school, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I love it. And I think that that schools just need to be more aware of that. So that is definitely something. Matt Walsh spot on. Yeah. Matt Great Walsh spot on. Spot and I've been to the schools myself going, this is too much. This so there's this guy that wrote on, on the internet and it sparked a lot of, um, he, he wrote, yeah, sparked a lot of conversation. His, his name is Mark Manson. Um, he actually has a, a, a New York Times bestselling book. Um, it, here's what he wrote. And he said, choosing a, re- choosing a romantic partner isn't just about the romance. You're also choosing a confidant, a counselor, a career advisor, a therapist, an investor, a teacher, a travel buddy, a roommate, a best friend, and a business partner. So choose 
wisely. And then he wrote this, Sean, there was this huge response to what he had to say, obviously, you know, big response. And then he responded to all the responses and said, there are two types of replies to this post. One, people who get it, and two, people who are single. (laughs) And then he says, to be clear, I'm not saying you should make one person all these things. I'm simply stating the fact that once you choose to spend your life with a single person, they become all of these things, whether you like it or not. So don't take that choice lightly. I think it's such an excellent point. So you read that to me before we did the podcast, and I was I, I'm like, that is so true. Because mm-hmm. you are we are all of those things together. We are friends, you know, we're parents together, we're you know, we're um we're travel partners, mm-hmm. um, we're counselors, mm-hmm. we're business partners. Like mm-hmm. what? Do, like there's, I don't think there's much in my life that happens that you're not a partner in. And so I, I don't think you can, but I, by the way, I think that if you think about That's that. That's a lot of pressure when you're dating you to think, think about, about that, it like Could that. this person be all these things to me? Um, I think it can be more simple than that. But the point in life in marriage is that person will end up being that person for you and with you and you for them. And I think the point that he's trying to make is that, yes, romance matters, a sexual attraction, of course, so important in a relationship. However, understand that once you get married, and again, not too much, but understand it is the most important decision you make because once you get marriage, married, those things, while still important, um, you have to add all these other aspects of living with someone together. And that means, you know, for some people, they're sharing a business together. They're doing, they're, we have to sit down and do finances together. We're going to travel. How well do you travel with somebody? I think that's super important. We like to travel. We, we like to travel. We're actually together. going on a trip next week. We um, and so, yeah, we like to travel together. But these, being each other's best friend is probably the most important thing. What's, uh, the counseling part of this is really important because things come up in our lives whether it's at work with friends or with family talk to um, someone, and yeah. to have someone who is a good listener that will not you know, send you to the darkest places that you may want to go in that moment, but can actually bring you into the light. They can go, you know what? Listen, hold on a second. You can't handle it that way. There's a better way to deal with this. You're, you're not in the right space right now. Talk, talk you off the ledge. This is, this has always been our problem with the Harry and Meghan thing that Meghan Markle, and I know I'm sorry to bring it back to the Royals, but we've, we've talked about this in this context that, you know, Harry clearly has had problems with his family, just like everybody has problems with their family. And Meghan Markle seems to um, speak to his darkest angels and, and pull him apart from his family rather than helping him find peace with his family. And so, yes, this counselor part, and who is that person? Is that person that's your confidant and your counselor in your life? Is it somebody that's going to all, um, you know, bring you to your best version of yourself, the light, if you will, or is it somebody who's going to take you into the worst parts and, 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 and turn you into somebody who's resentful and, and, and negative. And by the way, that is something that when you date, you can see that right away. Cause what are the share, signs, Sean? What you are will the signs? share what's going on in your life. And no doubt you'll have a fight with someone or a disagreement with someone. And if they are negative and they're like, yeah, fight them, screw them, go after them burn their house down. If that's the advice you get from uh, uh, the sane partner that you're dating, you do not want to marry them. 
uh, because again, mm, you start to take on point. the traits of that person that's advising you, and then you can become really negative. And maybe, the, maybe the good part you had about yourself that would have eventually brought you to this better position on how to analyze the fight or the argument that you're in. You never get there after you know five, ten years of marriage. All of a sudden, you see the world the way your partner sees it, and it is all negative. And we do have to fight, and we do have to you know go scorched earth um, when you date. You can see that and how they handle and advise you maybe in some of the problems that you share when you're out to dinner and as you're dating going through this process. So I think also people underestimate how much over time, I mean, hopefully you're getting married or you're thinking about getting married or you're dating someone who you hope to marry and you're it. Hopefully this is going to be a long term proposition. Right. Um, and we're going on 25 years, Sean. And the longer you're married to someone, the more you guys become like each other, which is a beautiful thing. The problem is if your partner has a lot of negative things, you're going to take those on too. And so, you know, the idea is marry someone who brings out the best in you um, and, and, and somebody who wants what's best for you, which brings to the career advisor part. Cause that's something people maybe go, I didn't think about that. Like my, my spouse is my career advisor. Well, it turns out, Sean, that all the data shows that when men and women get married, for men in particular, their careers, um, their, the man's career, um, explodes. It go, it, it, it it's, it, they make more money and they're more successful than their single counterparts. And there's been some analysis about why is that the case? And part of the analysis, of course, men feel more pressure to, you know, once they get married and have kids to, you know, work harder and make money because they have the pressure to support that family. But there's more to it. It is that two minds working together towards planning and strategizing each other's career or, or the male's career um, in this case actually is very helpful. So you want somebody who's smart and strategic minded and thinks and cares about you and your own personal and professional development. So I want to point on that is when when you're in the younger part of your life and you're taking risks, advancing your career, it can be scary. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't take risk, um, y you don't grow. And so if you're going to take those big risks in your life and they might be successful, you might fail at them, right? Mm -hmm. you, you don't know how they're going to turn out. But to have a partner with you that um, you can lean on, that you can fall back into, that's going to support you and lift you and strategize with you, you can take those risks and you can keep taking risks and bigger risks if if you are a unit and a true. friendship together because in the end, what you know is you have each other. Um, mm -hmm. And again, again, it's scary, but it's way less scary if I have someone here who's going to support me through thick and thin and we're going to do this and get through this together where I can think about the upside and the downside and what happens to us, you know, if this doesn't pan out. Yeah. So I, I just look at my own stuff. I couldn't have taken the risks without having one, your, 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 uh, your brain power to help with what we were doing. Cause it's, it was a, it was a two person show, not just a one person show, but a campaign that is really nobody but us. Um, but also, it was easier to do it because you're like, you can do it. And if we, if this doesn't work, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. We're going to be fine. We're going to feed the five kids. And I mean, that is, that is really reassuring. And if someone didn't give you that support, you didn't give me that support. Or if you're by yourself, you don't get the same results because you don't take the risk. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's very interesting that once you get married, you do take on all of these. And then if they say you, it's your roommate, I mean, you have to think about that too. Now we have different standards. Rachel's of, a better roommate than I am. 
I, I'm, I'm kind of a neat freak. I like things to be orderly. I think it's because I, so many things are running in my head all the time that if I'm at least seeing order in the house, so I'm kind of a neat freak like that. And I, if I clean the house and Rachel cleans the house and I come home, I'm like, it just looks better. Mm. It just shines a little more when she does it versus when I do it. But however, that's a to, female touch. I'm sorry. There, that's just night, part of it. I can get a glass of ice water and she can get a glass of ice water and my ice water always tastes better to Rachel. When we go to bed, and she'll. Yeah. I do love to drink his water after he pours it. So yeah, yes. um, so right. yeah, you have you have. You, I I just think that was a really um, a really interesting okay. thing. The other thing, well, he had oh. another he had another one on there that I thought was okay. one more. He says, um, "These are the three major signs that your relationship will last. You have good fights. You fight to make. Um, it says fights make relationships stronger, mm. not weaker. I think that's totally true. We've talked about this before, Sean. That." People who say they'd never fight always end up, seem to end up divorced. Um, fighting makes your relationship stronger. You learn a lot through that. Two, that you share a similar worldview and vision for the future. And three, um, that there's a rock solid friendship um, that undergirds that relationship. I think all three of those were really, um, really good and things we've talked about before here. Well, the, the good friendships play into the 20 things that you're going to be in the other person's life, right? Yeah. Good friends yeah. want to care about you. Um, the, the second one you brought up was what? Um, that you have a similar worldview yeah, I mean, vision for the future. I mean, of if course. one person wants to live in, you know, Manhattan, New York, then wants to live in, you know, rural Minnesota, um, that's really hard to see how those two, two are going to make it. If you're really strongly committed to those. to those things. One person wants to have five kids. One person doesn't want any kids. Um, right. I mean, those are, those are very simple things, but really big things in a relationship that are very meaningful. Um, you know, again, we talked about politics. Politics matter. Um, values matter. You values know, one matter. of the things in the Catholic Church that they do is they have a thing called pre-cana. And it's basically, uh, you know, six months of, you know, going to different meetings and course. It's basically a course in um, how to prepare for marriage. And so many of these questions come up. They, they force the couples to confront questions that they might not confront you know, like if they hadn't gone through this until well into their marriage, you know, yeah. you're, you know, how you feel about children, how many, um, you know, how open are you to having them, finances, um, all of these things that people really can, can get into that mindset and, and talk about all of these things beforehand because they will come up. And, and the more that you share in common, the, or, or at least the more prepared you are for how, you don't agree on things, on certain things, the more, um, I think likely you are to, to, you know, get through those times when, when those issues come up. And so I think it's, I, I love the idea of pre-cane. I think it's a really yeah. important part. And by the way, if you spend time together because you're friends, um, that again, I think there's, especially in the first few years of marriage, it can be really hard. Um, and there's more fights and there's, it's just, it's, and, and it's easier to stick it out. It's easier to go like, you know what? We actually do like each other. The bad, the good times are better than the bad times when you have a really good, you know, friendship, uh, together. And I um, think, and I think the, the, the most important point, and I think it's so counterintuitive is the fighting. I mean, when you argue, when you have to, uh, you know, uh, present your point of view and you, and you confront what you don't like and you're honest about it, it brings more honesty into the relationship. I think there's a lot of women, especially, who think they have to suppress how they feel and, you know, in order to make the peace, in order to make the peace, um, you know, I think, I think you just learn, you have to learn how to fight fair. You have to learn how to fight f with the intention of, 
you know, reconciling and coming to an agreement at the end. And I think what fundamentally changes the nature of a fight is when you are married. And this is the argument I give all the time to women who are living with someone because they go, what's the difference? Um, and, and obviously there's some religious and sacramental reasons why I think, you know, there's grace and things that happen when you get married that I think are spiritual and from another dimension that sort of bless the union when you actually get married Mm -hmm. under the eyes of God. But let's put that aside for a second and just look at the very practical things. And one of the most practical thing that things that happens when you are married is the nature of your fights change. And that is because if you are married for life and you know that this is you you mean it and you both want this to be for life the nature of your fight changes you have to find a resolution nobody can go that's it i'm out of here or or not deal with the problem or not dig in your, your chances for digging in and getting to the bottom and finding a resolution that is um you know beneficial for the relationship moving mm-hmm. forward changes if you're married if you're living together it's a there's a there's always an exit door, and I think that changes everything. You know, I also think what's really important in fighting. So when when you're in a marriage or a long term relationship, you get to know the person very well who you're with. You get to know things that are really wonderful about them, but also maybe some things that aren't so great about them or their families or their whatever it may be. And in a fight, we can go to the place where it's like, you know what? I know how I can throw fuel on this fire. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. I can hurt you. These words, or I'm going to bring up something that you did, or something about you know one of your family members, and you throw that in, and you know, listen, you know the result. You know exactly what you're doing. It's going to be explosive because you know. And by the way, that's not about that's not what the fight's about. All you're doing is going. I'm going to put some gasoline on this fire and see it blow up. If that happens, yeah, actually, when you're in the good time, you got to go. Hold on a second. Hey, listen. Um, I get the fight. I get what we did. But when you do that to me. That's that that is yeah. going to take us to a whole new place, um, and it's, our fight's going to go longer and deeper. It's going to be harder, and so that comes to the point of like finding rules around how you fight and the things right. that you share in love are off limits in fights, right? And having yeah. what it's like you have some things that I've said, and you're like, listen, I told you that, and you can't use that against me in a fight. Yeah, and I've yeah. been like. Okay, but then you can't use this against me in a fight. You're right. Like, okay. Right. And you're, you're I, I think, I, yeah, I think that the way we fought, or, like, so first of all, I, it was no secret, we've talked about this before, our first year of marriage was terrible. Um, it was horrible. I would just say hard, not terrible. It was horrible. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to go home. I wanted to go home. Please. Um, I called my mom and I said, mom, that's it. I'm coming home. And she said, no, you're not. This is not your home anymore. You better work this out with your husband. It was the best advice. Um, the best tough, tough love I ever got. And, and I did. And I came with some really bad habits about, about fighting things that I, you know, took on from, from, from things I'd seen in my past and in my own family. And I think what has been really great going through the years is I have seen an absolute shift in the way we fight. Now, I'm not saying that every fight is, you know, perfect model fight or not. They sometimes can get, you know, heated at way, way too heated. Um, and go in bad directions. But I have seen through the years that because we've put, we've verbally stated our guidelines and even after a fight have gone back when everything is calm and we've already reconciled to go, listen, I want to talk about what happened in that fight. This was a no-go zone. This and, and, and sort of reassess those, those rules and how we handle it. 
that the, the, the fights have become less explosive and they resolve quicker than they did in the early part of our marriage, without a doubt. Because, again, I throw stuff at you that I know is going to make you angry. Yeah. Throwing it on the fire. And then when and I, I do that the thing, same. she throws it back on me. Right. Things are going to make me angry. And then all of a sudden you start to do that. And this what was a pretty moderate fight all of a sudden is like nuclear war. Right. Um, and but, I, but I think this idea of... Going back and revisiting the fight and going, here's here's what, what went well and here's what didn't. And again, and understanding that stuffing your feelings down and not talking about it. I, and by the way, I don't think you should fight for the sake of fighting at no. all. I mean, if you can have a conversation and say, listen, when this happens, this is how it makes me feel. Or when you did this, when you came home, this is what, what happened to me and this is why I was so angry. You know, if you can talk it through 100%. But don't be afraid of conflict. And I think that's hard. There's so many people who are afraid of conflict. Conflict means that you're actually confronting how you feel. The other person gets to see you as you really are, the inside of you, how you feel. And then you can find that resolution. And I think you're a stronger team coming out of it. 100%. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. So I want to get to the more exciting part of this podcast, which the is music? we're going back to the 80s, right. right? And we all, we both picked five songs from the 80s, our favorites. Um, should we start in, 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 uh, start with like the fifth best to the, to the first? No, you just start. Yeah, sure. You, sure. Give your okay. list from, no, uh, yeah. Your okay. bottom from the fifth all the way up to the first. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a 1981 classic. It's still a classic today. Early 80s. I like it. Uh, this is... You're very young. I, I was young, but it's but it's still it's, it's still on my playlist today. It's that good. This is uh, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. That's definitely on the Duffy Family playlist. It gets played a lot. Okay. Okay. So my... Um, number five song is borderline. It's from 1983. It's Madonna. Obviously I would say that my favorite artist in the eighties was Madonna. I literally today is Madonna. Oh no, no, no. Like if I'm, if I'm exercising, if I'm on the Peloton, my favorite ones are Madonna, Madonna workouts. I love Madonna. Um, there's, can I tell you why I love Madonna? Tell me why. Um, first of all, she wrote the most pro-life pop song ever. Don't tell daddy what's the what's Papa, the don't preach. Papa don't preach. <laughs> Papa don't preach was so good. Um, I almost put that, but the right. truly borderline I love. Madonna was, um, I can, I remember the first time I ever saw a Madonna video. I know exactly where I was. When I saw it, it got my attention. I'm like, something in my world has changed. And it was Starlight. And um, I love how she brought in so much 
um, she she loved she was Italian American, but she loved Hispanic music culture, um, La Isla Bolita. You know, she always brought most okay. of her love interests. Okay. Most of her love interests in her video were Hispanic men. Uh, um, she she loved everything to do with Latino culture. Remember her first husband, um, the how father. Many, how many husbands has she had? I don't know, several. But her first husband was a Cuban American and the father of her of All her right. first so, child. Okay. This is so not I, I love this is dissertation on Madonna. Love so Madonna. you did Madonna. I think I knew... she changed so many things okay. for women. I really do. All right. So I'm gonna go to my uh my my fourth best song from the eighties. Now this artist um, was an, he was, he gave us an anthem in the eighties and he's turned into a big old liberal squish in her, in his later years. Uh, this is twisted sister. We're not going to take it. D Snyder was like, we're not going to take it. But he was like, everybody take the vaccine. We all got to get the jab. <laughs> was he we're really gonna... doing that? Oh yeah. No, he was, he was a, he, I don't remember he, that. Yeah, no, I, think... I, I heard that he said something about trans, transgender no, I in think the school. He was, I... And then he. He he had to take it back because they were attacked. People call something different, but no, I think DC was all. Remember him saying that? Why don't you Google that while I tell you the next one? I'm just going to tell you one of the headlines: Snyder tells fans against vaccine mandates to go see Ted Nugent and Kid Rock. He did. So Snyder, we're not going to take it. Was all about on the side of the man telling you to take it, but in the 80s. That was not the anthem. That was not the song. Yeah, it was, it was a sign of freedom and independence. Right. By the way, you, he mentioned go see Ted Nugent. I love Ted Nugent. I saw I saw in a video that of a of a a clip of an interview that he had where he was you know basically saying I'm not going to take this un you know untested vaccine. And then the person who was interviewing said, Well, what do you have to say to those people? Um, who, you know, say that you should take the vaccine. He goes, I actually, I want to, I do, I want to speak to the people who are forcing, who are being, who are forcing others to take the vaccine. I speak their language. And he goes, bah, 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 bah. And he kept doing that. And the guy was just sitting there going, I can't believe, I love Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent to me, who he is, his attitude about life encapsulates America to me. Right. So I love that. Now pattern. let's go to Rachel's number four. Okay, song. We're here's get my number this four. Is Peter Gabriel, "In Your Eyes." In your eyes. Um, that was 1986. By the way, um, three of my songs, I believe, are from 1986. So that was a great year for so 80s wh- music. Why, why? Why? In your eyes. Well, first of all, this, one of my favorite same, movies that, that's from "Say Anything." Wait, the, where? What's the big? What's this? Is all coming back to politics. I'm sure. What's what's the? Uh, I can't remember. Why can't I remember? Oh, come on. Um, you know, Sister's an actor, too. Come on. Anyway. Anyway, Say Anything was a great movie. It was. Um, it was sort of like, you know, if you were our age in the 80s, I mean, everyone saw that movie, Say Anything. It's one of the great, you know, sort of rom-coms, if you will, um, romantic slash comedies John with Cusack. John Cusack. Yes, please. Yes, okay. John Cusack. All right, so, oh, so there was that. In and in, in your eyes was a great, great lyrics, great song. Great it has movie. stood the, but great movie. It has stood the test of time. It still gets used in on other sound, you know, soundtracks for other movies. That's true. Um, it's a great movie. Okay, now, I mean, a great song. I'm gonna go to 1987, a year after Rachel, because she was. With, I'm older, like by 19 days than Rachel, but she was a year ahead in school. Ahead in school. I graduated in '89. I was not held back. I graduated in '90. <laughs> Most of us born in 87 were graduated in 90, not Rachel. Okay. 1987, uh, Def Leppard and Hysteria. 
my 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 buddy Andy Rife, his dad owned a car dealership, and we he and he would randomly be able to take these cars, and he had a Suzuki Samurai that we traveled this summer around and listened to uh, Def Leppard nonstop. Hysteria, one of our favorite songs. Great memories. Very good. It's times. definitely a guy song. Probably. I love it too, but um, it's okay. definitely. I got your next one up, Rachel. Oh, you do? Okay, yes. no, that, is that so my... Oh, tell, yeah, you're right. So tell us the next song. Okay, I'll... the next one is 1986. It's The Glory of Love with Peter Cetera. And our kids all love this. This is also on the Duffy playlist. Remember this song? Was this from Karate Kid? Yes. It so, was from Karate Kid. Karate Kid is a big deal in our house. We love the Karate Kid. Um, it's one of the Duffy movie classics. And so, yes, this is The Glory of Love um, from... Karate Kid, so okay. uh, Rachel loves that. Okay, I'm going to go to my third. Is it, am I my, my third or my fourth? I've done three so far, so I'm on my second best song, right? Okay. So I'm going to go to the greatest band of all time. Really? Um, greatest album, be? Some of the greatest albums to come out of all oh, time. I know what this is. This is going to go to number two, though, I on know. my playlist, Poison. <laughs> Everybody knows that it's so good. Um, oh. And yeah, love All right. Love Poison. So... You were obsessed with Poison for the big-haired bands. I was obsessed with Bon Jovi. I love John Bon Jovi. I loved all the music. Um, I was never allowed to go to a concert, but I remember I had friends who went. And I had a friend in high school who went, and she was near the front. And she told me that when John Bon Jovi was singing, he shaked his hair, and his sweat fell on her, and she rubbed it into her arms. That's how crazy. And I was like, I remember going, okay, so that's what amazing. <laughs> and I would have never known okay. back then that I was going to live in Jersey. <laughs> I do love that song. And it's like, it's not... That song, I know. We have all these, it's funny, all these memories come up. I know, totally. I was on the high school hockey bus and it was like, that was our anthem on the high school hockey, mm -hmm. hockey bus. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go with my number one best song of the 80s. Uh, I don't think anyone listening or watching would disagree with this because it is is just kind it's of that good. the known anthem an anthem of the eighties. Um, this is twisted. Uh, no, that's not twisted. Oh. Here I go again. So we I'm surprised that I picked so many slow songs for my top songs. Yeah, I'm of kind the of 80s. shocked too. So am I. I mean, I even thought about do I do you know kiss with Beth, but I'm like ah, I'm just all too slow. That was a little too early eighties. Um, so by the way, that was, I think that was 19, they first recorded, uh, uh, White Snake recorded that in 1982 and then re-recorded it because it didn't hit, but in their 87 album and they changed, um, like a hobo, I was born to walk alone and they changed it to Drifter, the Drifter version crushed it. So anyway, uh, White Snake. That was a good one. choice. Thank you. So I like, except I'm not a Madonna fan. She's okay. Like beside Madonna, you know, in your eyes, glory of love, living on a prayer. Living on a prayer is probably my favorite. Free fallen to. Um, again, mine, twisted sister. Um, every rose has its thorn. Don't stop believing. Hysteria, and uh, it, white. It snake. was listen. It's very hard to make it good, like top five eighties list because there was, there so, was much great so much great stuff at that time. And um, so yeah, these are these are sort of soundtracks of our We still had like long haired, you know. Dude bands. Sean, were... Sean, if I if I had known you in those, you know, I, I, you know, when you you brought up that image of you in the hockey locker room, I didn't know you back then. What were you like? Listen, I just a normal, you know, good natured kid. Didn't 
do a whole lot of dating, time with Carol, <laughs> mom and dad, you know, were, you know, they're out skiing at that point. I had older brothers and sisters. You know, I was just trying to get through life, right? And I love playing hockey. I love my teammates. Were you pretty good? I was okay. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I, I played a little bit in college. Did you um, Did you actually get to get on the ice in high school? Yeah, listen, I got on the ice my freshman year. And uh, so in Wisconsin, Hayward, where I was from. So that means you were pretty good. One of the best hockey teams uh, in the state through our four years of, of high school. So, yeah. One of your buddies actually went to the pros. Went to the pros, that's right. Yeah. Daniel Plot. Um, so yeah, there's, I, listen, I, but, it's, but I love this is because it brings, songs bring up memories of times in our life. I feel bad. Um, which, is, which is so cool. Um, and uh, 80s was a great time for music. You know, if we do 90s, it's going to bring us probably into our real world years and some of the music from the shows. That yeah, like on. the Smashing Pumpkins yeah. and um, yeah, Nirvana. Um, that's all fun stuff. So, okay, well, yeah. this was the 80s edition. Really fun to hear your... That's great. Yours too. To hear your hockey get psych playlist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun. Uh, listen, thanks for joining us on the, you know, the Q&A and the Top 80s Music Podcast for Sean and me. You know what we should do? We should have Kennedy on. I've been, I might need to tell you that Kennedy is one of, also one of our favorite people she, at. She absolutely Let's is. have Kennedy on the show coming up here soon, and we'll talk we music. We've done this and, one with Kennedy, and she could have given us... Yeah, this is a good, good reminder. We can talk about all kinds of stuff with oh, Kennedy, because yeah. we were all on MTV at the same time, and we kind of have that fun time with her. Yes, and by Talk the way, music with we, could just, music better we, could, we could pick five. We could do the '90s. All we do, each do five show, five yeah. songs, and that'll take an hour podcast. Or she'll give us the history and this, and, the, and, and when she met them. And oh, I'm already loving Kennedy, the show. Let, uh, if our Kennedy's producers are listening, music. Booker, we Book want Kennedy. All right, we love Kennedy. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I was at foxnewspodcast.com. We appreciate you joining us. At the kitchen table, we are three days a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights we drop, going five days a week. Oh, and just a couple weeks away. That's going to be fun. And the schedule is going to get nutty, but we're looking forward to doing all five days. And uh, again, for a fun Q&A Friday, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.